it's so funny because I was sitting here listening to this Dixie Chick song, Loving Arms, and just started bawling. And I think that happens every time I hear a certain song. So I thought, you know, I need to talk about this and I need to let it out or I'm going to drive myself in fucking sane. So my husband, I met whenever I was eight. <laughs> he was nine. And we were each other's first kiss. And uh, <laughs> whenever my family moved away to Mississippi and he stayed in Enid, Oklahoma, I never stopped thinking about him. I never stopped talking about him to my mom. I never, ever forgot him. And I remember always saying to my mom randomly through my life, Mom, remember Tynes Joel's? I wonder what he's doing. And uh, it was a long-term manifestation. I tell you what, I got married. My first husband looked like him. And I was just fascinated with the black-haired, the 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 way he fit, you know, his height and everything. I don't know. It was really weird the way I I just uh, looked to this man like he was everything and, and, and built that archetypal image in my mind. And, I mean, he was like 9 and 10 years old, so how did I know what he was going to look like when he was older? But I just did. Anyway... My husband, uh, well, I grew up. I got married the first time, then I got married the second time, and then I owned a massage clinic in Enid, Oklahoma, and this girl came in and asked me if I'd work on her shoulder, and I was closing up the shop, and she shows up, and I'm like, sure, sure, let's uh, let's go in here and work on your shoulder. And I knew her from the local uh, little tanning place that I went to back in the 90s. Well, this girl shows up. She has his name tattooed on her shoulder. And after I flip her over, I see that. And I'm like, and it just says Tynes. That's a really rare name, you know? And I said, Tynes Joel's? And she about flipped off the table. She's like, how do you know that name? I said, that's the first boy that ever kissed me. I, I never stopped thinking about him. Well, she says to me, he's in prison now. And I thought, oh man, that's, that's crazy. So she tells me that his sister lives in town. Now, mind you, I moved away to Mississippi as a little kid and traveled. My family and I moved all over the United States. And I came back to Enid, Oklahoma, whenever I was 20 years old because, or I was, yeah, I was 20. And I came back because Previously, before that, I was living in Bakersfield, California. My rent was really high. Everything was expensive. And we came to visit my grandparents, and they were like, and we, you know, we were looking at newspaper, and we were like, what? You can rent a place for $165? What the? What? It's so cheap back here. And there was a large amount of family support there. So my husband at the time and I moved back to Enid, Oklahoma, and I stayed there long enough to get divorced, get remarried, and... uh and then be in the middle of a divorce whenever I find tines. And so here I am back in the same town that him and I met in, and his sister still lives there. So so this girl tells me to go and talk to her sis talk to her or I'm sorry, talk to his sister at her job. And 
I did. And she says, well, you know what? I'm writing him a letter right now. Why don't you uh, say a little hello to him? So I remember writing something like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if you remember me or not, but <laughs> so here's my address if you want to talk to me. So he ends up mailing me back a letter. And it was so silly because he, it's like this motorcycle paper. It's got this big chopper on it, you know, and, and he's all, you know, hey, I do remember you and saying stuff like, maybe this time you'll let me touch your boobs or something. Because <laughs> I guess when he was little, he tried and I didn't let him. <laughs> but, uh, like I had boobs. Anyway, so he, we, we write back and forth. And this is the first time I received a letter from him was, um, April, like April 8th. So then I have to wait till July. In July, I got approved to go visit him. I was in Oklahoma. He was in Kansas. So July 12th, I go up to where he is in prison and, and I, I, uh, I visit. And we visited for two days, and that second day, I fell completely in love instantly back. It, just, it was like I met this person who read my mind and knew my emotions, and we had been writing letters. And, you know, writing letters is so much more intimate than talking. It's more intimate than texting. It's more intimate than anything I've ever experienced. That was... So we wrote letters for two years, but I always went and visited him, and and uh, we always, I mean, I never missed a visit. I was like, we were like, you know, the celebrity couple in prison, you know, I was always the first one to show up, always the first one to leave, um, <clears throat> never, ever, ever missed a visit in 22 months. So he gets out, and... At this time, I had moved up to where he was, and I was working for these nuns, learning all kinds of cool modalities in massage therapy and pain management, and I was just doing great. And he gets out, and he's welding, and we're doing great, great, great. And he says to me, "I, I you know, what we should, we don't have any family here. We have no support here. Why don't we move down to Fort Scott, Kansas, where my family's all from? And we could, uh, you know, have a family support system. And I was, I was down for that. Okay, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. And it wasn't as great as we thought. Let's just say that. So we're going to stop at Fort Scott, Kansas, because this is where everything picks up later. Well, we end up leaving Fort Scott. We get a travel trailer. We leave. We go on all these adventures and do all these wild things. We're in New Mexico. We're in in uh, Louisiana, we're in Texas, we're, we're all over the place, okay? And then we're down in Texas, and, and we have two babies, okay? During this time, we have two babies. Now, Buddha at this time is probably maybe one no, he turned one in Texas. So he's about one and a half. Oh, no, it was still winter time. Okay, because I remember we left Texas and we were driving and, and we were all in tank tops and shit, you know. And then we get like 
up north a little more, and we're like, woo, woo, woo. By the time we get to Kansas City, there's snow everywhere. We're in the middle of a freaking snowstorm. So we were slowly adding clothes as we were driving north. I always remember that. Well, anyway, we get to Kansas City, and we... It's a great story how that happened, but we don't have time for that now. So we end up opening a tattoo shop in Kansas City. And everything's popping, 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 right? Well, okay. Now, I want you to stop your your thought process at this point. And <clears throat> I'm going to take you on this. Well, you'll see how it ends up at the end, okay? So... If someone after, okay, if someone at that point had come to me and said, how did your husband die? I was, this is what I said, okay. You know, my husband and I owned a tattoo shop in Kansas City. And it was Christmas time and I didn't want him to go down to Fort Scott, Kansas to trade presents with his family because we had Christmas presents for them and they had Christmas presents for us and I didn't want to go down there and I didn't want to take the boys because it was a big storm that year. So my husband drives down to Fort Scott and he uh, trades out the presents and everything and, and on the way back there are those gas stations you know those gas stations where you can use your credit card? There's no attendant. You just use your credit card, get your gas, and leave. Well, he he was getting his gas, and, and, and nobody knows what happened. They just know that they found him there bleeding. He had been shot, and he was in his car like he was trying to leave and go somewhere. And he'd been shot in the back. And... Uh, they rushed him, you know, whoever found him, uh, called an ambulance. They got him to the hospital, and he died in the, in there. His lung collapsed. He'd been shot in the lung, and, and he died. And uh, so that, 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 that story, what it does is give my husband dignity, and it makes it seem like it wasn't what really happened. But that's all a lie, and I tell people that. Because the truth hurts so bad. But the truth is, <laughs> we owned this tattoo shop. And this guy from Fort Scott comes up to Kansas City. And he brings my husband a lot of methamphetamines. A lot more. more. I mean, like, thousands of dollars worth. Now, if you know anything about drugs and you know anything about meth, you know that there's different types. And this type that he brought in was an anhydrous methamphetamine. Now, you can't make this anhydrous meth in the city. It smells so horrible. It has to be done way out in the country, somewhere where no one can smell it. So, smell it. So, so that's what it was. It was this anhydrous methamphetamine he brought up to my husband. And he had never done it before in his life. So they come up, they bring it, they get us some barbecue, and we're all eating, and my husband's giving some tattoos to some people. Yeah, yeah. They leave. They leave all the leftover food, tip my husband real big. Big show. Big money show, right? So they leave, and uh, and they leave that meth there with him. Now, have you ever gone to a... a, a convenience store like a truck stop and seen those coffee machines 
and it has the big coffee filter with the big coffee. <sighs> Dang it. Well, that's exactly what, I'm not answering that. That's exactly what, uh, what he brought the meth up in. A huge coffee filter like that. And I had done meth before. It only takes four rings and it's done. A little little one at the end sometimes. Oop, see? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I did meth in, when I was like from probably 17 to 20. I did a lot of meth. I lived in a little crack house in Bakersfield, California and did drugs till the cows came home. I spent a year on acid learning how to cook watching Food Network. <laughs> That's why I'm such a good cook. <laughs> anyway, so I was trying to talk to him about it. I was like, you don't fuck with this shit. This shit is not the shit that you fuck with. We can smoke the weed, you know, but at this time, you know, like uh, nugs were coming out. The good weed was coming out. Oh, yeah. But no, he, he, he needed more. And a lot of it, and for anyone who's done math, you know, when you first start doing it, it makes you very creative. It makes you very connected to your emotions. It makes you very... It almost like taps into the deepest part of your humanity and then and then it strips it all away and it leaves nothing. So that initial that initial connection with his humanity was what he was chasing. He felt so creative and he was making new designs, you know, new awesome tattoo designs and he was doing just different things and he had so much Oh, he had so much pressure on himself at that time because, you know, here we had these new guys coming in working for us that were just doing way better work than he he did. And they had all these clients because they'd live in Kansas City their whole life. And these, you know, these cats show up, they're bringing their clients, they're bringing, they're making money, you know, they're uh, doing phenomenal work. And uh, he, and he doesn't, doesn't feel very good about himself. He feels like, man, I need to up my game. So we, I spent like $500 buying instructional DVDs and different things that, you know, amazing artists were putting out. Um, Josh Carlton had put out uh, a DVD uh, series of, you know, like, uh, uh, oh God, I can't even think right now, but um, realism, color realism, really amazing, amazing work. And I said, "Hey, check this out." And he and he was he was checking it out. But but then that's whenever that's whenever homeboy shows up with the math. Anyway, um, so it was really hard because our boys were one and two at the time. Ooh, it was really really tough. We had a we had a badass babysitter. And we uh, would sometimes, I was just dealing with so much. Sometimes we'd say, can the boys stay all night with you tonight? I'll pay you, you know, 60 bucks. Sure, she'd say. And then, uh, then my daughter and her boyfriend moved up. Oh, and it was getting so bad. He, he just, he was lying to me. I thought he wasn't doing it no more, but he was. And he was doing all kinds of weird stuff. Just he was acting so weird and doing this just weird stuff and it wasn't him and I, I I finally just had enough. And one night he he 
it just got violent with me. And my daughter, I, to, I, I put her in the room and I said, call 911. I don't know what's going on. I was scared at this time because we had guns. He was collecting guns. He was uh, doing all kinds of crazy. He had MS-13 members up in our tattoo shop. And he was like, you know, hooking them up with the meth. And he was going and hanging around with all these like gang-related people. And these guys were coming into our shop with like... Like AK-47s are pulling them out of their jeans, their saggy pants. And this guy pulled like a Mossberg 500 out of the back of his pants. And they had like all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I have little babies in here. What the hell? And then one day, one of the guys shoots his gun. It was late at night, thank God, because it was an insurance company underneath us. But he shot a bullet into the ground accidentally while looking at my, um, while looking at my, uh, I had a, uh, uh, 45. And, uh, it was a Virginian Dragoon. It was a badass gun that, uh, a firefighter had traded for a tattoo. And, uh, hold on one second. Yeah, baby. Tights. Huh? What? Oh, nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, I had to check on my kids real quick. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> so, so I was freaking out, like, what in the world is going on, you know? So, no, I don't even know in my story where I was. I hate when I do this. Anyway, so he's just freaking out and he's freaking out. So I, I have, okay, I have my daughter go call 911. I don't, I mean, call the cops. I, 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 there's an emergency going on. I don't know what's going on. The cops show up. He's freaking out, flipping out, screaming, waving his gun around and shit. And the cops pick him up and say, nah, you got to get out of here, man. You can't be here. He's twacked out on meth. He's fucking, you know Kansas City cops were awesome. They weren't, like, they weren't saying shit like, you know, like, you know, on the floor or anything, you know, like, I, I mean, compared to how it probably would have went down today, <laughs> a big difference. Anyway, and this was in 2009. Now, earlier that year, him and I had gone out to California and recorded an episode of Divorce Court. And the only... I have to submit this story into the story because it's kind of important and interesting. So back when we were in the travel trailer and we had were on our way, we were we were in Gallup, New Mexico, and our 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 RV broke down and we ended up trading it out for a big old truck, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um the RV breaks down, and while we're there, this lady gets a hold of me. And she wants to know if we want to be in a reality show. We, we were, they invited us to be in Wife Swap. And we were like, yeah, that would have been cool. So we were going to do Wife Swap, but because my husband was a felon, we couldn't do it. So here we go. Fast forward now to we're at the tattoo shop. And him and I were broke up for a little bit. Because I'd kicked him out of the tattoo shop, okay? Okay, so here's... Okay, okay, no, no. Okay, let's go. La, 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 la. Okay, back to the point. I kick him out of the tattoo shop, right? My daughter calls the cops, blah, blah, blah. He leaves. And he goes back down to Fort Scott. And I'm, like, packing up some stuff, and I take it to him. And I drive the boys down to visit him for, a, for like, a weekend or a week or something. I come get... I get the boys back. Uh... You know, I've got a house up there. Uh, we closed the... Okay, I kept the shop open for a little while. One month, I kept the shop open. So then we we end up... 
this is such an intense story with so many details. I, I, I know I'm leaving a lot out, but, but this is, this is the gist of most of it. And a lot of it is confused on. I can't remember. There was so much going on at the time. Oh, and I'm not going to try to pretend like I wasn't doing some of that meth with my husband because I was at the beginning. He wanted me to, and I wouldn't snort it, and I wouldn't take it, so he would wrap it up in a little uh, ball of of a zigzag, and make, and I would take it like a pill because he said he wanted us to be on the same level. And I, I didn't do that very long. I did that for a couple of weeks, and then I felt horrible. I felt awful. I, I, I was like, no, no, no. And I quit. So he would get mad at me because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do with it. And he was feeling he was badass, you know. Anyway. So cops come, kick him out. He goes down to his dad's and family's, blah, blah, blah. I'm being cool. I'm being cool. And he freaks out because our rent was like 1500 that month. And he thought it was just me up in the shop. He didn't know that one of the guys that worked for us had other tattoo friends. And he went and... Because all the guys quit that worked with us pretty much when he was flipping out. So at the end, before I kicked him out and we called the cops, it was just him and me. Anyway, he, uh, a friend of mine brings a bunch of guys in and keeps the shop afloat. I made the rent. I kept everything afloat and everything was going great for one month. And he's like, you paid the rent? I was like, yeah. And, and he just couldn't believe it. He he was freaking out because he, he was like, how did you pay the rent, you know? Anyway, I invite. He wants to come back. And he says he's sorry and he's not going to do it no more. Okay. So I let him come back for a little bit. I had no idea that 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 he was, okay, at this point, then he starts hiding it from me. So he's doing it and I have no idea. But things are different. Like, he's like, well, no, we need to work on our family. We need to spend time with our family. And so I remember we just kind of lived in the tattoo shop for about a month. Doing tattoos here and there on the people that, you know, we knew or whatever that wanted some. But not really open for business like a full-scale tattoo shop. Totally ghetto. We were in the ghetto. We are in northeast Kansas City. Anyway... Um, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have kicked his ass out and kept that shop open 100%. But I had a, I had two little kids. I had, um, other things going on. I had teenagers. I had not as much confidence as I do now. I mean, the test years, the last 10 years have really leveled me up on, uh, badassery. <laughs> but, uh. So, um, yeah, I made the rent and he comes up and, and just basically closes it down and we just live in there. Like, it was weird. Um, he kept trying to invite things that I wasn't into into our life, you know, like, you know, freaky sex stuff. I'm whispering because my kids are in the other room, but yeah, freaky stuff, you know, like, and I was like, what in the world? I'm not trying to do that. Uh-uh, you know, um, just... So, he he closes the shop, and we take all our stuff and leave, and he takes me down to another little bitty town, and he, like, 
he's freaking out. He's like holding me at gunpoint, being aggressive, trying to trying to live a life down in Fort Scott and up here. He owed a bunch of people down in Fort Scott. He was doing all kinds of, I don't even know what was going on in Fort Scott. I didn't, I don't know what was going on. I stayed away. Well, um, during this time, I just finally, I was done. And I was like, you know what? I love you and all that, but I can't do this. My kids are way more important to me than I love you. And I did. And I still do love that man with all my heart. I mean, I'm not going to let the end of what happened with us affect how much I love him and always will. But I had to stand up for my kids and myself at that point. We were more important. So... Bye. <laughs> I mean, I had to do it. So I, I kicked him out and I got a house for myself. And my friends came in and opened back up that tattoo shop that we used to open. And they called it Atomic Tattoo and hired me. So I went back to work. And I had a house a few blocks away. And I remember I was really, really sad. I was sad because our relation I was going through a breakup. I was sad and miserable. I wasn't even down at the shop. Like if someone came in for a tattoo, I would have already rescheduled I would have already scheduled it and knew what time to be there and I would show up at that time, do the tattoo, leave. Or if there was a piercing that just happened to walk in, they would just call me. I'd go down, do the piercing and go back home. I did not want to be at the shop. I didn't want to hang out. I didn't want to party. I didn't want to do nothing. And mind you, I'm 37 years old at this time. Um, so in December, the first episode, the episode that we aired, the divorce court thing that we did, he had never been to California. He had never flown in a plane. He had never done anything like that. So here we have the tattoo shop and the girl calls us up and that same girl, she was like, you guys were so interesting. Well, guess what? I work for a different uh, casting company now and I'm casting now for divorce court and I thought you guys were so interesting and I thought you know maybe I didn't even say we were having a divorce I was just like I mean she didn't even know so I was like uh yeah let's do that she's like you get paid you get a free trip to California yeah 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 and I thought you know this is just what me and my husband need to kind of go out there and you know get our little together we had always hustled together, but it wasn't ever ripping anybody off. It was always, you know, hey, I'll give you a good tattoo for a good price. Hey, I'll give you a piercing. I'll give you, you know, I'll do a massage. I'll fix your sciatic pain. Whatever. We could, we took our skills and we hustled money all the time. Well, when we got to divorce court, um, we filmed the episode. So if you ever type in Honey Joel's or just Gypsy Honey Joel's, or just divorce court, Joel's, maybe even, you can see the commercial, but you cannot see the actual episode. If I've tried to buy the episode and everything. I've never seen the full episode, um, but you can see the commercial to this day online. So you could do that. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> but my husband and I were kind of, we had a good time when we went out and aired that Uh we did, we had a, we had a blast. Anyway, it didn't work. We came back and things were still horrible. And that's whenever that's whenever we 
we, we moved down to that little town south, and then he was doing the business back and forth in Fort Scott, and that's whenever, oh, you know, that's when it was just a mess. I can't even remember everything. There was so much going on. We were moving around from, we were at a campground for a couple of weeks. We were in a motel. We were at this little house. We stayed all night with some dude that we met. I mean, just crazy, just ugh. And, I, and the whole time I'm lugging around my, my babies, you know, my one-year-old, and at this time, my three-year-old. So it starts, you know, starts getting winter, and that's whenever my friends open Atomic, and that's whenever I go to work for them, and he's living now down in Fort Scott. And I'm, I lied to him. So it was this real hot cop that came in whenever my daughter, I had my daughter call 911. This super hot cop came in. And I lied and told my husband I was dating that cop. And the reason I did that was because I felt like he would think, well, there's a cop there. I'm not going to fuck with her. Okay. Now, my husband did 13 and a half years in prison. He, he knew some evil tricks. You know, he was, he had a bad streak you know, that he could tap back into. And he did. He tapped back into that. And it was a, it was like full-on war. You know, it was like, what the hell? But here I was, I didn't know about it. Here I was sitting there trying to be peaceful. I thought everything was going great. I had no idea he was secretly down here just hating on me and planning my demise. So I said, it was December 11th. I said, hey, why don't you come and get the boys? And, you know, I could really use a break. So, and he missed the boys. He, oh, he was super dad. I do not want to ever take that away from him. He was super dad. But I asked him to come and, 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 and get the boys. I said, how about this? You take the boys till you need a break. And then I'll take the boys until I need a break. And then you take the boys till you need a break. So it was... Sounded like a pretty good gig, you know. I was like, woohoo, this is going to work out great. I was so excited that we were getting along, and I was kind of feeling good about this. I wasn't dating nobody, I wasn't doing nothing. I was just trying to take care of babies, you know, and, and make, some, make enough money to pay my rent. Um, he, he, uh, <laughs> he shows up on the 11th. And I have the boys all packed up. And I wrote a letter to him and I put it in the boys' stuff. And it, and it said, okay, because let's digress here a little bit. Um, once my husband asked me, if we ever broke up and I needed you to get my back, would you? And I said, well, it depends. I said, if I'm with another guy and, you know, like, he doesn't want me to get your back, and I don't feel like I need to, you know, like, or if, or if I, uh, think that what you're doing is wrong, um, and you need me to get your back, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I just kind of left it at that. I don't know. I guess it would depend. So here I'm writing this letter to him to send to the boys, and I said, one time you asked me if I would have your back, if... We weren't together. And I'd like to say now that yes. Yes, I will. I will always have your back. I love you. And um, and that will never change. I can never take that. I wrote him. I don't even know what else I said. That's all I remember saying in that thing. But I'm sure it had something to do with... It, I'm sure it was manipulated 
in some kind of way to sound like I was fine. Although I wasn't. I, I would never want anyone to see me weak, you know. So, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And he... And he came up and he stayed all night that night. And, yeah, we had sex, you know. We would blah, 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 whatever. So, um, so he leaves and he takes the boys. Well, my babysitter had this son. And he was hot. He was like 10 years younger than me, but he was hot. And he could sing so beautifully. And he had beautiful eyes. And he, he was just, just something else. And uh, so he he worked out all the time. He was one of these guys that worked out all the time. And he'd always take me jogging with him and doing stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I hung out with this dude. And whenever tights came and got the boys, I took off with this dude for a day. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to be home. I just need a break. I don't want to be home. I didn't want to be reminded. You know, the boys' stuff was there. I had plans to clean while they were gone, you know, deep clean. And I just didn't want to even look at all the mess I had to clean and all the stuff I had to do. So I said, I just want to go out tonight. So let's go to your house. Actually, his mom had gone out of town and asked him if he would stay at her house to, you know, keep an eye on everything. And he said, sure, I got to watch my mom's house tonight. Why don't you come over? And So we're hanging out watching movies. And then my roommate, I had a roommate at the time, and she calls me and she says, Oh, my God, Gypsy's here. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah. And he, I think he's on shrooms or something. He's on something because he's acting really weird. And I was like, like, I was like, don't tell him, I, don't tell him where I am. She's like, I won't. And I said, and, and, you know, I'm on the phone with her, and I can hear him in the background just yelling and stuff. And then, but he was doing this thing where he was yelling, but then he was trying to, like, laugh a little bit, like he was so cool and so in control but <clears throat> I had no idea that he had taken my boys to someone's house and said, hide these kids and don't let them, no matter what, do not let the mom have them. So I, and, and he had gone and filed for emergency custody. At the time, my hot water, water heater had broken. I had no hot water. And I told him that. So he tried to turn out and say, they don't have any hot water. Also, at that time, we didn't have a toilet. Buddha had put a um, a toy down the toilet. Okay, I'm blaming Buddha, but it could have been Tynes, but I bet it was Buddha. <laughs> put a toy down the toilet, and I didn't have a toilet at that time. It was It was taken off, and we were in the middle of getting another one. But the guy was like, hey, can you go without a toilet for a night? The boys were both in diapers. And I grew up ghetto as fuck. So I was like, I'll shit in a bag. I don't care. I got this. So um, so that's what was going on. And it actually ended up being three. Uh, my, my, it was a longer time. I think it was like three or four days before we got a toilet, to tell you the truth. Because, you know, I'm, I'm not living in the, you know, the Ritz Carlton or anything. So anyway, but it was a really nice house. One of those historic big houses. It was It was a nice house. Anyway. So, and that's what Tyne said when he came up and took the boys, um, when he left back down to Enid, or, or to Fort Scott, he, the last thing, the last time I ever saw him, we were standing right there out by his car and he said, I'm proud of you because I had this big, nice house and all my shit was on point and I was doing good and I had a job, you know, and all that. He said, I love you and I'm proud of you. you did good. 
But then he took off, went down there, and started all this shit, right? So then he's up in my house. I'm on the phone with my roommate. And she's like, dude, he's fucking, he's tripping out. He's acting crazy. He said, tell her that she's dead. And whoever she's with is dead, too. Now, he goes through my house, and he steals my laptop. He steals my pool stick because I love to play pool. And you know what's funny? I haven't played pool in a long time. I'm going to go play me some pool. Anyway, um, he stole uh, my, I, I've, all my, all my life I've had a, 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 a calendar, like a day planner where I keep track of my life and everything I'm doing, how much money I make, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I have my period, when there's a full moon, anything I need to, uh, to write down, I do. Um, so he stole that too. And I'm very intuitive. I've always known things without having to know. And uh, so I was writing stuff in that book for him to see. And I wrote things like, oh, went to the park with Brandon. Brandon was the name of that cop. Oh, went to here to do this with him. Oh, Brandon took the boys uh, on a boat ride. I have no damn boat. I have no nothing. And then... I went so far as to call these little boots that the boys, that I bought the boys, Brandon's boots, okay? So, and I just called them that to the boys. They're they're like, you know, they're uh, one and three at this time, okay? So I just called them Brandon's boots. That's just what the boys called them because I called them that. And I was really calling them that because I wanted, I truly wanted my husband to think I was with a cop because I wanted him to not you know, re resort to his, um, prison shit. I didn't want no drama. I just thought I'd be safer. I felt safer with him thinking I was dating a cop. So I said, get the boots Brandon got you. Get your Brandon, get Brandon's boots. And then I looked at my husband and said, Brandon bought him some, bought him some boots. And, uh, I don't know. I don't think he liked that. I was his property pretty much. He, he could do whatever he wanted, but God forbid I did anything. So anyway, the boys get ready. They get they get together. They go blah 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 blah. They're all down there. Back to crazy man in my house, right? <laughs> so he stabs my bed. He steals my pistol. Um, he steals everything that I had. Oh, the boys we the boys had a, a, a just got them a we. I don't know why I got a we. Oh yeah, I, I guess my my I also had. Boom was my, at that time he was 13. No, yeah, he was about 13. And uh, so I got the Wii for Boom. and But Boom was really staying down with his dad at this time. He, his biological father down in Enid, Oklahoma. Um, and Lily lived in Fort Scott. She had a boyfriend and they had a place. So it was really just me and the two boys. And he's like, stabbing my bed he thinks that he's i know he would have killed me that night if i would have been there he would have fucking murdered my ass um and he leaves and i don't i'm like you know i tell this dude i'm with i'm not going home tonight at all dude i'm staying here and i was like i'm scared to go home well some other shit happened. I don't, okay, no, that no, that couldn't have happened. See, I'm remembering this. 
truthfully for the first time in a very long time. So actually he, how did that happen? He, he came up to the house because I remember at some point I called the cops and I went to my house and I was scared. Oh, my roommate said she was leaving. She didn't want to be there. So she took off. I wanted to go check my house. So I go to the grocery store across the street and get one of the cops and say, hey, can you take me to my house? Because there's some shit going on. I don't know. I'm scared to go in there by myself. I didn't know if he was he was in there or not. So these cops, you know, they they take me to... They take me up in there and everything, and uh, he's not there. Everything's safe, and I feel fine. But then, I, I don't. I guess I don't know how that happened. But I went through my house with the cops. I remember doing that, and then I remember the cops leaving. But I remember going back to that guy's house to stay all night. I just didn't feel safe. That's what it was. I went back to his house, his mom's house, and was like, "I need to stay here tonight because I don't feel safe." My roommate had already took off after this shit went down. Whew, sorry if I'm confusing, but damn, a lot happened. So anyway, it's about 11 o'clock at night, and I get a phone call from my daughter. And she's like, Pop's been shot, which is my father-in-law. And I said, what? She's like, yeah, Pop's like in the hospital dying or something. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. She's like, yeah, I heard it on the, on the, new, on the scanner or something like that. Well, my husband's name was the same as my was his dad's and the same as my son's. So when they heard that, I think people initially thought it was his dad. And I don't even think they initially thought it was a shot. I think it was just heard his name or whatever. I don't know. So anyway, come to find out about 30 minutes later, my father-in-law calls me and says, Tynes has been shot. He's dead. He's gone. And I was like, what? Fuck. I guess that night when he left Kansas City and went down to Fort Scott, he got a hold of a guy that owed him $25. This is what I understand to be true. And the guy, my husband had a mouth. He was a Gemini. And uh, he had a lot of a lot of that gregariousness to him. So, and when he was anger, angry, that really came out and, uh, in a negative way. So he was telling the guy, I'll, I'll kill your kids. I'll burn your family's house down, blah, blah, blah. I want my fucking money, blah, blah, whatever he was saying. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I know how my husband's mouth was. So I'm pretty sure it got pretty ugly. Well, apparently the guy got scared and grabbed a gun. And I don't know how it went down. I really don't. But this is the way I have it pictured because of the stories that have been told throughout this time. Is that he went back to his car and grabbed a... Or he was going to... He went back to his car and the guy thought he was going to get a gun. So he shot him and shot him in his back. And then my husband got in his car and he drove around this block. And so he, he, he drove forward, turned left, went down a block, turned left. And then there was a stop sign. And instead of the stop hitting the stop sign, he just rolled forward across the street and into the ditch across the street. 
I talked to the guy that lived there once years ago, and he said that he sat said that my husband had laid forward. The, the car went down in the ditch. My husband's body fell forward on the horn. He said that it sat there for 45 minutes with the horn just going, huh, because the police and the ambulance had marked off the area, but no one would ever go by him because they thought that he had a gun because they said he was armed. And they knew who my husband was in this town. Everybody knew who he was. And although he was so good and perfect while we were together, when we weren't together, he just resorted back to who he was. And it was just whatever. But they knew him. They weren't fucking with him. My husband went to prison from Fort Scott whenever he fucking hit his aunt in the head with a sword. So he'd had some violence there and he came from a family of violence so it was the violence was almost like normalized in his mind and it was in mine at that time as well from so many experiences we both had so anyway um he he gets rushed to the hospital they finally get to him take him to the hospital and he dies while they are getting the life flight ready which is funny, not funny, but I mean, which is interesting because he used to always make life flight jokes. My husband would see a life flight helicopter and pull over on the side of the road and look at it. He had this thing about life flight. And when he was a little boy, he wanted to grow up and fly, and fly airplanes. And he was so smart. He could have very well. But he wasn't in the type of family that would support those kind of dreams or even... He wasn't in an environment that he could do that because he already went to prison at 17 years old and he was adjudicated as an adult. So he wasn't going to fly no planes, you know, but he had, but he loved helicopters and pl little planes and stuff too. So he would always joke about life flight. It would always be like, and we'd laugh because it wasn't like, like making fun of life flight, but just, you know, like I've fallen and I can't get up kind of jokes, you know? So anyway... He he died while they were on on December twelfth, twenty two thousand nine, and that was exactly seven days after Buddha turned two. So Buddha had his second birthday. Tynes was three, and and my husband was gone. And I remember just sitting there with my boys, feeling safe actually. After all that, I felt safe. I was so fucking scared, man. I don't think that man would have let me go on with my life. And I don't think that man and I would have ever gotten back together. So I, I don't know if it was some kind of sick blessing that was handed to me or not. Because you know what? I can't stop thinking about how amazing he was. Yeah, we had that shitty fucking time. But man, y'all don't know that the eight years before that, where everything was so fucking amazing. And we were building shit and making money and left over right constantly. just, And we had each other's back and we could communicate with a look or sometimes not even a look. Sometimes... I could just feel this man's energy and know. And I did, he had a lot of 
post-traumatic stress. You know, he did 13 and a half years in prison and he had come from abuse and his family was not solid and pretty much he was just a boy to me. And I remember when we got together from the day on July 12th when we first got met at that prison to the day he got out, he never got in trouble again. He never smoked a cigarette again. He never did drugs in there again. He never, um, he didn't even get a ticket. He was the model, the model prisoner <laughs> right before he got out. Even whenever he got out, his parole officer loved him. The nuns I worked for loved him. He was such a wonderful, wonderful man. He really was at his best. I truly believe that a person can only be as good equally as they've been bad. So he was so bad. And that negative, you know, like you can go to a negative 10, you can also go to positive 10. If you go to negative 3, you can only go to positive 3. My husband went to negative 10. So he had positive 10. And that's what I miss. Anyway, that's my truth. I think my grandson's here, and I'm so excited to see him in this podcast. And I'm just going to say that thank you for listening. Hi, come here. Luke, come here.